You are listening to the First Baptist Jinx podcast. To learn more about FBC Jinx, including our gathering times, visit us online at fbcjinx.org. Today's talk comes from Pastor Rick Fry. Well, good morning. He is risen. Amen. Isn't it great to be here on this Easter Sunday? Let me welcome you today. We're excited that you're here. Those of you joining us online, thank you for being a part of our Easter worship today, and we're glad that you're here this morning. I will tell you, there's a lot of emotion for me. Over the last 20 years, I've stood in this pulpit and I have preached the Easter uh, message for the past 20 years, and uh, today will be the last time I get to do that uh, as your senior pastor, because many of you may know I'm retiring at the end of this year. Look forward to next year when I get to hear Cody up here preaching. But uh, this morning, as I begin to pray and think about what I wanted to share with you on this Easter Sunday morning, when I think about through 53 years of preaching, and uh, some of those times preaching multiple times on a Sunday morning like we do here, how many times I've preached about the resurrection. I've always looked forward to it. I love it. And uh, so this morning, I want you to take your Bibles and turn, if you will, to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24. We're going to look at verses uh, 1 through 12, as I want to talk about today, between a rock and a hard place. Let's look at the text this morning. Chapter 24, the Gospel of Luke, beginning in verse 1. He says, But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But then they went in. They did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And while they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek living among the dead? He is not here, he is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified upon the third day and rise. And they remembered his words and returning from the tomb, they told all of these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale. They did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, and stooping and looking in, he saw the linen cloth by themselves, and he went home marveling at all that had happened. You know, you might sit here this morning and think about, as you read that passage of Scripture, that Jesus indeed was between a rock and a hard place. What I mean by that is stuck certainly between the rock that has been rolled to seal the tomb and a hard place by death itself. Stuck between a rock and a hard place were these disciples and those who were following the Lord Jesus. Stuck between a hard place because Jesus had literally confessed that he was the Messiah, that he was the son of the living God, and then a hard place of those who had believed and now all of a sudden the crucifixion and he was dead and wondering and believing, was all of this really true? Between a rock and a hard place is where we find these two Marys at the tomb. Interesting, when you begin to look at this story, that the very first people to appear into this tomb and to witness the resurrection, the fruit of the resurrection in this culture, were women. You've got to remember in this day and time, they were not equal to men. They were not even permissible to even speak in court. So if you're to keep an account of the history, and I believe one of the most important aspects, or what you might even call the very linchpin upon which our faith depends upon, notice that the witnesses here that day were women. Unless imagery has an important part. You see, the rock and the hard place where these women find themselves, it's 
Good Friday. It's a very an inconvenient time, if you will, to die. Friday was not only uh, Passover, but it was also preparation before the Sabbath. So they would have had to take in the body of Jesus, wrap it, prepare it, bury him before the Sabbath. But I got news for you. At this particular time, they were not prepared for this. They were not ready for this. But there was a man by the name of Joseph of Arimathea who said, listen, I've got a tomb that you can use until you can give him a proper burial. So once again, they were between a rock and a hard place. First day of the week, Sunday, they go to finish the process of burying Jesus. They come with the instruments and the spices and the wraps and all that they were going to have to bury him. They knew that Jesus Christ had died because they had seen it. They were between, if you will, a rock and a hard place is where they find themselves. But only between a rock and a hard place for a little while. For all they needed to do was to peer into the tomb. There are three imperatives that I want to show you out of this text. The first imperative for us is this. It is to peer into the tomb. As I was preparing this message and thinking about today, I wonder how many of us sitting here at this time of celebration on this Easter Sunday morning that we have walked into this place today carrying grief and anguish and anxiety and uncertainty and confusion. If that is you, then you're in good company with these women. Because at the garden tomb, emotionally, this is where they were. They get there. They're ready to do what they were supposed to do in, in taking care of the body of Jesus. And all of a sudden, they find the stone rolled away. If you look in verse 4, the Bible says that they were what? Perplexed. It's a great word, but if you dig into that word, what it actually means is this. It means that they were confused, that they were terrified, they were surprised to find the body of Jesus Christ actually missing. The emotion of Good Friday, the heartache, the anguish, the despair. Let me ask you, have you ever been there within your life? Because I sure have. As you experience anguish over the loss of a loved one, despair possibly because life just isn't going the way that you wish that it would go, confusion over what you're supposed to be and what you're supposed to do, maybe even a little fear of what life is going to bring. Maybe some fear of your daily tasks. Heartache over lost relationships. Can I tell you this morning, if that is you, then you're in great company. When I begin to think about the life and the ministry of Jesus, I begin to realize that the ministry of Jesus Christ, to some degree, is somewhat like a pregnancy. From one scene to the next, the Messiah just bounds. From one miracle to the next. Raising the dead, restoring the sight to the blind, restoring ability to a lame man. In every scene, in every movement, with every chapter, this ministry of his grows more pregnant with the coming of the kingdom of God. And with this truth, God will establish his kingdom upon this earth. As he rides into town on a donkey on Good Friday, think about it. Near to the due date. All of a sudden, when the crucifixion happens, it feels like the kingdom of God, at that moment, all hope is stillborn. But when you peer into the tomb, once again, you would believe that hope is dead. Good Friday, to be honest with you, feels more like a funeral, doesn't it? But for you and I to peer into that tomb, to look hopelessness right into the face, 
You and I today need to peer into that tomb to be honest about pain and suffering, to be honest about disappointment, to be able to look at all of those conflicts within your life and my life and acknowledge the brokenness of our lives and not try to sugarcoat it, not try to make it out something that it's not, but to peer into that tomb and to acknowledge that death is real and seemingly final. Imagine when you think about these women arriving at the tomb that day. They were hopeless and they are surprised by what they find because peering into that tomb is not all they do. Because the story continues. You see, they are greeted by two angels that tell them a very important word, which is the second imperative, and that is you and I are to remember his words. Look at verse 8 with me for a moment. The angels speak to them. They say, remember what he had told you, verse 8 says, and they remembered his words. I want to play a little game with you this morning. We're going to flash on the screen today a sentence, and I want you to finish that sentence with me. Show me the what? Say it with me. Come on. Show me the what? The money. All right. To infinity and what? Beyond. All right. Now you're getting it. Now I'm going to see how old you are if you like the old movies. They call me Mr. What? Tibbs. That's right. You got it. Houston, we have a what? Got a problem. Come on. Just keep what? Swimming. Just keep swimming. You, You got to get this one. Life is like a box of what? chocolates you know there's something about remembering words in there words that you did not think that you know but words that transpose you back to a place where you relive something that we experienced in that moment think about this here you have the angels and here they are all of this anguish and despair that these women are feeling and all of a sudden they begin to speak into their terror and into their confusion and he says sisters sisters listen listen to me this morning remember what he told you he told you that man must suffer he told you that the king must die He told you that he was going to tear down the temple, and and in three days, he's going to rebuild it. And and I often wonder, as I read through this passage, I wonder if I was in that moment, would my mind go back to Genesis 3.15, where God prophesied that the serpent would strike the heel of the seed of the woman, and the seed of the woman would crush his head. Over and over and over again, Jesus has said, this is who I am, and this is why I must die. I was born to do this. This was my mission in life. And in this moment, the angels were like, he told you this was going to happen. Why didn't you listen to him? Now, here's a question I want to ask us on this Easter Sunday morning. How many of us have also forgotten the words of Jesus? Have you forgotten the words when he declared his love for you? Have you forgotten the sufficiency of his grace? And forgiveness? Have you forgotten the words of Christ when you even questioned or doubted his care? Of whether or not he really and truly hears your prayers where he said that I will never leave you nor forsake you and yet he can go silent for five minutes and you believe all of a sudden that you're abandoned, that he doesn't love you. Remember, remember his words. Now, let me say to you this morning, had these women stayed peering into the tomb, they would have totally missed the miracle of what happened. You know why? Because they were focused on the wrong thing. We would do well to peer into the tomb, to look hurt and pain and suffering and sadness and death and disappointment right into the face. 
to confront it, and to be honest about it. But if we stay there, then we totally miss what just took place. Listen to what the angels say. Why in the world are you looking in dead places for something that is living? He isn't here. And I would say to you this morning, why is it that so many of us today who know Christ and believe in Christ, that we return to the same wells expecting to find hope, only to find death there, instead of finding and pursuing the living one? I don't know about you, but there's just something that happens when our gaze is away from our circumstances and our hurt and pain, and our gaze is riveted and fixed upon Jesus Christ. It's like the old hymn writer that said, these things of the world grow strangely dim. And here's the point. You will be surprised by hope when you remember the words of Jesus. And the reason why is because the focus family is not on us, it is on him. And so I challenge you this morning, yes, peer into the tomb, but don't stay there. Because that's not the end of the story. You see, I want you to realize this morning on this Easter Sunday that the story is not in the tomb, it is out of it. It is for you and I, listen, to do well, to be honest about life and pain and suffering, but don't stay there because that is not the end of your story. If you are there and you have a heart that is beating and you've got breath in your lungs, then hear me this morning, this is not the end of your story. God still has something for you and there is a purpose for your life and there's a purpose for your ministry in you being here today. That wasn't the end of the story of Jesus himself. I love the resurrection and what it signifies and what it does because it shows me the power of God in the grave where he raised his son. I love the resurrection because it reminds me of Jesus himself and what he himself thinks about sin and death and the grave and what he says, listen, you couldn't touch me, my friend, if we were in a phone booth together. I love the resurrection because of the pregnant tomb that was pregnant with death and the Spirit of God quickens Jesus' body and instantly the tomb is transformed, hallelujah, into a tabernacle. All of heaven erupts in praise and celebration. Why? Because the Son of Man, Jesus Christ, is alive. I love the resurrection. I remember the story that Tony Evans tells of a father who was driving in the car one day with his son. The windows were down, the sun was shining, and a a bee comes in the car, and the little boy just erupts. He's terrified. He's scared to death that the bee is going to sting him. And as the dad is driving, all of a sudden he reaches over and he just snatches that bee out of midair. Big old smile comes on his son. He says, oh, dad, thank you. Thank you, dad. I, man, I, I, I feel so good now. Dad holds that bee in his hand for a while. And then in a moment, he releases it, and that bee flies off. And that little boy started crying again and saying, Dad, Dad, why in the world did you do this? Why did you open up your hand? And all of a sudden, the bee flies out, and the son is sitting there, and his dad looks at him, and he says, Son, that bee might annoy you. That bee might even bother you. But that bee can't sting you because it's already stung me. Listen, church. Death has no sting because Jesus got stung on Friday and he got up on Sunday amen listen to me he got up and I want you to realize that we ourselves no longer experience death and hopelessness 
Understand that death for a child of God is no longer punishment. Hear me, it is a promotion. And now suddenly, all of a sudden for us, Jesus Christ gets up and everything changes. And let me tell you what I think about death. Death's like a toothless puppy. He may gum you to death, but he ain't going to bite you, amen? That's what death is. There's something about the resurrection now that Jesus is alive. It allows you and I, no matter what we're facing, what we're dealing with, we can get up every single morning with hope. Because there is this reality that if Jesus Christ has not risen, listen to me, every single agnostic, atheist, philosopher who believed that all of a sudden that life just random by chance came together and all of these cells just simply come together and, and randomly with no purpose, ultimately, let me tell you what life is in this universe. This is what they believe, that, that there is just, you know what, we just all kind of came together and it just happened. Let me tell you something. For men and women who believe that, they believe that life has no point, that life has no purpose. But I'm here to tell you, if Jesus Christ came out of that grave, which he did, and Jesus Christ is alive, that is where our hope is today. It's in Jesus. No matter how dark it gets, there is still part of your story. There is light and there is life. So peer into the tomb. Remember his words. We've been drawn to hope. But last of all, tell the story. Look at verse 8. He says, and they remembered his words, verse 9. He says, in returning from the tomb, they told all of these things to the leaven and all the rest. Think about this for a moment. These women go back, and what do they do? They share all that's taking place. Can you imagine at this particular time men who walked with Jesus, who saw the unbelievable, miraculous miracles taking place? Verse 11 says, these words seem to them an idle tale. And did you catch that little last line? And they did not what? Believe. Now certainly we know again in this time that women's voices did not carry the same weight and the power of men. They saw him die. They didn't believe. Hashtag, you need to listen to women, amen? All right. All the apostles disbelieved. But there was one who got up. Who was it? Peter. Look at what he says in verse 12. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping in, looking, and he, he saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at all that had happened. Now think about this. Peter had just a few hours earlier what he had done. He had totally denied the Lord Jesus Christ. In the garden, he became so angry, he takes his sword and cuts the ear off of a centurion. On the night that Jesus was observing the Lord's Supper, he's washing their feet. And what does Peter say? Peter looks and says, Lord, Lord, no, 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 you shall never wash my feet. It's Peter who gets up and he runs to the tomb. I thought about Peter as he was running to that tomb because he was running with all of his despair and failures of how he had totally let Jesus down. And he peers into the tomb and what happens? He is surprised by hope. You know, one of the things I have discovered is that in our own hearts, when there are times and moments in your life and my life that we don't quite understand the gospel, we have to keep reminding ourselves and keep telling the story to ourselves, but not only to ourselves, but telling the story to others. Why? Because what Peter needed is what every one of us desperately needs as well. But we all need grace. It is that abundant grace of God. Just a few hours earlier, those women were standing at a distance because literally, had they been really too close to Jesus, it could have cost them. 
And now God uses him in a miraculous, unbelievable way in telling of his resurrection. Grace. There was grace for Peter that day. And my family and friends, I'm here to tell you on this Easter Sunday morning, there is grace for you. You see what I love about the story of the resurrection is it reminds us that Jesus' kingdom depends not on our performance, but his own. We do not have to achieve, but simply to follow. Why is that? Because Jesus Christ has totally already earned for us the costly victory of God's acceptance. You see, it is his grace. And it's a grace that doesn't expect you, nor does it expect me always to be right all of the time. That you and I need a grace that doesn't ask us to be perfect. Why? Because Jesus already got that right, praise the Lord. Because he is perfect. And only through his death and burial and resurrection does he open the door for you and for me to experience that grace. Think about this. When Jesus was on the cross and he cried out to tell us, it is finished, he meant it. It is to confess with your mouth. It is to believe within your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, to believe that he is alive. I shared with you last Sunday at the end of the sermon that when I think about Easter, I think about here is Jesus, the Son of God, riding in on a donkey on Good Friday, King of kings, Lord of lords. Now, if you understand that riding on a donkey signified peace, for the people of that day, for the nation of Israel, they believed that indeed he was going to reestablish the kingdom of Israel, that he was going to usurp Rome and establish Israel as the dominant world power. But if you go back in Revelation and look in Revelation 19:11, you discover he's coming again. And church and family and those of you watching online, I want to tell you something. I believe it's getting a whole lot closer than it's ever been. But when he comes back, he ain't riding on a donkey. He's riding on a white stallion. You see, if a king were to ride into battle, riding on a donkey, it kind of sends the wrong message, doesn't it? But when Jesus comes for the second time, he's riding on a war horse. And he's not coming to fight because that's already been won at Calvary in the empty tomb. But when he comes back, he's coming to do mop-up duty to establish his kingdom upon this earth once and for all. And the invitation for every single one of us, yes, is to peer into that tomb, to remember his words, yes, to go tell the story, yes, but hear me this morning, to stop your ceasing, cease your striving. Jesus has removed the burden of sin and guilt and shame, and he makes you and I brand new. The old has passed away, but all things have become new. Why? On his own. He doesn't need your help. My challenge to you on this Easter Sunday morning is simply this. Would you simply try Jesus? Because you just might be surprised by hope. He will forever change your life. He will forever give you purpose. And when you feel like you're between a rock and a hard place in this life, fear in the tomb. He ain't there. Remember his words and go tell the story that Jesus is alive because he's alive in here. Would you stand?
Father, I come to you this morning. I thank you for a message of hope. I thank you, Father, that you loved us so much that you were willing to give up from your very own, your only begotten Son, the Lord Jesus, who went to the cross and died and shed his blood that we might have life to be our stand-in, to be our substitute. Then, Father, the grave couldn't hold you. But, Father, three days later, as you you promised and as you prophesied, Father, you were raised from the dead. That you're alive today and that you live within each and every born-again child of God. I praise you for that. That you empower us to live this life and equip us to be all that you've called us to be. Oh, Father, help us to peer into the tomb to remember your words and your promises. But God, in this day, in this world, in this time, help us, Lord Jesus, to go tell the story that you're alive, that you're risen, that you are the one who brings hope and peace, that you can can forgive and cleanse and make whole. I pray this morning when the invitation is given, Father, someone here today that doesn't know Jesus or watching online that today by faith they would receive you and ask you to forgive them of their sins and come into their life. For those you're calling to be a part of this church family, Father, for those you're calling, maybe that's, that's been out for a while, maybe it's just because of all that's gone on in their life, too busy, too many things happening, that today would be a fresh commitment to say, you know what, I want to get back into church, and I want to start serving and using my gifts and talents for the kingdom of God and to advance His kingdom. God, let this Easter Sunday morning be a moment that we understand who you are and what you mean to us. Because the only hope this world has is Jesus and Jesus alone. Speak to our hearts today. And I pray that in the sweet, precious name of our Savior, Jesus Christ, amen. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to listen to our podcast. We hope that you've been encouraged and challenged to take steps closer to Jesus. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast, leave a review, share with your friends. It really does make a difference. And lastly, make sure to follow us on all of our social media at FBC Jinx to keep up with all that's going on in the life of our church. Again, thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next week.